Father, we thank you for being our God. We thank you for being our Father. We thank you for sending your Son to be our Redeemer. Father, what a great gift your Son is to us. And I pray every day that we can cherish that gift and that relationship and that we can shape our lives after your Son. Father, we thank you for walking with us and we thank you for showing us the way in life. Father, we thank you for faith that you have called us to. And we know, Father, that it is impossible to please you without having faith in you. And I pray every day that our faith, which is more precious than gold, that we can grow and that it can be refined and that it can be just as you would have it to be. And Father, we give you our heart, we give you our soul, we give you our very being, and we want your will to be done in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As you know, this summer we are spending time in different formats, and tonight as we come together we are blessed to be able to have Tim Young uh, from Dallas. Tim is the son-in-law of Coach and Ruth Ann Stallings, and uh, Tim has spoken here before um, several occasions. He spoke to our men at the men's breakfast a few weeks back, and Tim always does a great job helping people of faith get into the Word of God and to see what God's plan is for our life. Tim is an encourager. He's a motivator. Tim's a good friend. I love when Tim comes here because I love the conversations that we are able to share with one another. And Tim, I want you to know I appreciate the encouragement you've given me in my life and ministry, and I love you for that. And I'm glad that you're here. And I'm going to stop there, and I'm going to let Coach come and finish that introduction before Tim comes to speak to us. Before that, I've got some guests, uh, uh, Dick and Jan Turner, uh, then Larry and Ann Claiborne, and then my daughter, Anna Lee, who's married to Tim. Uh, I know a lot of people, but if I were going to name the five top people that I know, just good people, uh, Larry Claiborne would be in that top five. So what a joy it is to be in his presence for a while. Uh, you know, he uh, taught in the vet school at A&M for years and years. Uh, Dick is a very talented man. We, you know, we've got a museum here in Paris in the uh, Valley of the Caddo and Culture Center. Uh, he took a Bodark limb uh, off of our ranch and built a bow the way the Indians built it years and years ago, and it'll be on display uh, at our museum. So, Dick, we appreciate uh, your talents. <clears throat> I've had the privilege of introducing Tim. Tim is uh, son-in-law number one. <clears throat> I believe in a work ethic. In order to marry my daughters, they had to work for me on the ranch. And you, know, you can always build a fence when you don't need one. <laughs> I've got post hole diggers on the back of my tractor, but so happens I've got these kind too. And so I'd get the guys up before daylight. I wouldn't even let them think about quitting until after dark. And the girls would say, Daddy, what do you think? I'd say, I think you need to cull him. Need to let him go. Turn him loose. Daddy, he's a nice boy. I know he's a nice boy, but he ain't got a work ethic. Tim Young had a work ethic. So he married my daughter number one. <clears throat> when they went to college, the girls went to college, I asked him to do two things. I asked him to finish college in four years and not get married until after they graduated. Well, they all graduated in May and married in June. <laughs> but they honored that. Uh, Tim, son-in-law number one, 
They all went to Abilene Christian. He went to Texas Tech and uh, got his Ph.D. And uh, while he was doing that, he mowed 40 or 50 yards at a lawnmower in service, and he mowed 40 or 50 yards while he was going to college getting his Ph.D. Uh, his daddy, Bill Young, is a very famous a noted preacher throughout the country. He's retired now, and he fills in when, when churches are looking for preachers. His granddaddy uh, preached, I guess, for 70 years. Uh, he died not too long ago. He was 90-something years old. And what a joy it was to be in his presence. I mean, his mind was sharp. He could recall things. Uh, he was a true Bible scholar. So Tim comes about being a uh, teacher and a preacher honestly. Uh, he's a family and therapist. Family and uh, uh, therapist has been doing it for 28 years. He has held many a marriage together, has had the opportunity to counsel many a youngster, and just does an outstanding job. So I'm very proud to introduce Tim. I've got four son-in-laws. One is a Ph.D., Tim, one's an M.D., one is a, an attorney, and one's a football coach at SMU. But they've all got one thing in common. They can all build a fence. <laughs> Tim does a super job uh, uh, wherever he goes, wherever he so it'll be a joy for you to be able to listen to him. Uh, he speaks all over the country, holds seminars and things, but the main thing is, is he's just a good man. He has two daughters. Both of them have graduated from Abilene. Uh, one of them is a family therapist herself, and, and the other one uh, is uh, doing, she's working. They both have graduated. So it's a joy to be able to introduce uh, my son-in-law number one, uh, he set the bar high for the other son-in-laws, but uh, blessed with four good ones. And Tim, uh, we're just thankful that you're here. I'll turn it over to Tim Young. You, Coach. Am I live? Okay. Thank you, Coach. Thank you, Patrick. It's a, always a pleasure to be here. I, uh, Annalie and I think of you as family. We spend enough time up here, and of course, this is where I did learn to build fence, and I appreciate you, Coach, for making that happen. It's a, it is a, a great privilege to be part of this family and, and part of this family. And I, we're, Annalie and I are just really, really thankful for you and for all that has come our way through Coach and Miss Ruthann. The subject tonight is faith. Patrick introduced that, and I wanted to spend a few minutes this evening talking with you about that. Let me begin by asking you a question. Does Satan have faith? I have a yes. Would you say Satan is a believer? Tell me, tell me why you say yes to that. Called they call Satan a believer. Good, good. <laughs> the demons also believe and shudder. What is it they believe? And it scares them. Does it scare you? It shouldn't. He's coming back. The Lord is coming back for his people. And Christians are the only group for whom that is exciting and good news. The rest of the world doesn't believe. That's a good thing. Many of them don't believe there's an afterlife. Others believe there's reincarnation. 
But people who are true believers don't just believe God exists. Satan believes that. There's a difference between believing in God and believing God. True believers believe what God says just because He said it. That's it. That's it. Words are important. I'll give an example of this. Church marquee advertising the Sunday morning and Sunday evening service. You've driven by those before, not here, but you've driven by those before. Sunday morning, Jesus walks on the water. Sunday evening message, searching for Jesus. <laughs> Words matter. Their order matters. Think Genesis with me for a moment. The first time we see evil speak, what is said? A question is asked. Did God, yes, did God really say that you can't eat of any of the trees of the garden? He asks a question. The first voice of evil in Genesis is a question. Do you remember the first question God asked? Good. Do you remember him saying? Adam replied, I hid. I was naked and I hid. Then God asked another question. Good. Who told you you were naked? Now, someone pointed out to me years ago, when God asks a question, he's not seeking information. Part of being omniscient is you already know all the answers to all the questions. So he wasn't asking for information. He was pointing something out. You've been listening to the wrong voice. Eve's error, Eve's error was having a conversation with a liar. Jesus was spoken to by demons, but he never had a conversation. When I see Jesus encounter evil spirits, I watch him do one of two things. He quotes his father, or he issues a command. But he never has a conversation. That was Eve's error. Gentlemen, help me with this one. Adam's right there with her. We know from Scripture that Adam is right there with her. What's his error? Say again? He did nothing. He did nothing. We know from Scripture what the target was. The evil one was after what Paul writes about in 2 Corinthians 11 where he says, For I am concerned that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, so your minds may also be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. The evil one will still ask questions and will plant, if he can, will plant lies and make them beliefs. If we host them, they become beliefs. But they're lies. Thy word is truth. Right? The evil one will seek to draw us away from what is true. 
and he has a strategy that he likes to employ. When our girls were little, Coach mentioned Catherine Lee and Ashley. When they were little, some of you may have heard me share this before, I brought them into the study where I had placed 10 envelopes on the top of my desk. And on eight of the envelopes, I had written $10. On two of the envelopes, I wrote $0. And I brought them in where they could see all 10 envelopes and what the envelope said. And then I said, you may each pick one envelope and keep its contents. Caution. The envelopes lie. They immediately each grabbed one zero dollar envelope and pulled out ten dollars. At which point I asked them, why did you go against what you could see? You know what they said? Because you said. They went against what they could see because they believed their father. We walk by, not by. That's exactly how it works. We are rigged for sonar, not sight. As Christians, we are to be able to close our eyes and hear the voice of the good shepherd. And the voice of a stranger we will not follow. But as Christians, we will encounter things in the visible realm that suggest that God's not correct. You remember the story of the 12 spies? How many got it right? What was different about Joshua and Caleb? They were believers. All 12 believed in God. Two believed God. Let me say that to you again. All 12 believed in God. They came back and said, well, God said the land flows with milk and honey, and that part is correct. Only two believed when God said, I'm giving you the land. I'm giving you the land. So Joshua and Caleb go in on a spy mission with faith that what they are seeing is theirs. They were on a survey mission. The other ten were on a mission to see if. And when they saw the giant's vision, they saw forces that they were not militarily adequate to resist. So they came back and said, we can't have the land. Scripture says, depending on which version that you read, that they gave an evil report. What made the report evil? Disagrees with God. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. God is who he said he is. He said what he meant to say. And he always does what he says. Well, I know the word of God says, but. What's about to follow is what's believed. I know the word of God says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but. And now what you're about to hear is what's really believed. Faith always operates for you or against you. It always operates. With the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made into salvation. We believe with our hearts and then we speak. 2 Corinthians 4, if I'm not mistaken, says we also believe and therefore speak. You remember Jesus in Matthew 12? The tongue is the overflow of the... Whatever is stored up in here is going to come out here. Whatever is believed is what's going to be spoken. And once it's spoken, it's in motion in the unseen realm. 
once it's spoken, it is in motion in the unseen realm. How does faith come? Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by? How does wisdom come? If any man lacks wisdom, James 1, 5, let him do what? Ask God. You want wisdom, you ask God. If you want faith, hear God. Hear God. If you ask God for faith, He's going to say, hear me. Hear me. Believe what I tell you. The Word of God contains life, health, faith. So when you eat an apple, the nutrients that God placed in that apple for your body are released into your bloodstream and they nourish you because that's God's design. When you read His Word, the spiritual and physical nutrition, Proverbs 4 is not symbolic, my words are life to those who find them, and health to a man's whole body. Your thinking impacts your health drastically. So when the Word of God is taken in, there is life and health and faith is released into your body, into your spirit, into your soul, the three parts of mankind. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved and kept sound. That's His will. That's His will. So much of what is called faith isn't. So much of what is called faith is First Timothy 4. In the last days, there's going to be a lot of evil and doctrines that demons teach. Doctrines that demons teach. In the last days, there'll be demonic teaching. How can you tell? It will always disagree with God's Word. It will always disagree with God's Word. So when people of faith say things like, everything happens for a reason. Romans 8 says, God causes all things to work together for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Right? I think there's a large segment of the Christian population that stops that verse short, and what they hear is God causes all things. That's not what that verse says. If that's true, then there's absolutely nothing to resist. Remember? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. James 4. If it's all the work of God, is there anything to resist? No. So when a friend of ours has a little girl slip into the swimming pool and drown, and we go to the, we go to the service, and he says how angry he is at God, he believes that demonic doctrine. He believes a lie. God is not the slayer of children. He's the giver of every good and perfect gift. So when the father stood up and said he was still angry with God, I made a phone call. We had a couple of conversations. He gets it now. He gets it now. Satan destroys John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Satanic footprints. Steal, kill, 
destroyed. You don't have to wonder, was that God? No. No. I came. Remember the rest of the verse? John 10, 10. I came that they may have what? We got plenty of death. It's life that we needed, and Jesus came to give us life. Jesus didn't come to teach us how to live with Satan. He came to teach us how to live without him. And that never happens, that never happens until the people of God believe God, not cultural sayings. Only two things in life are certain. The saying goes, what are they? You notice who's not on that list? Is God certain? Who do you think made the list? God is deliberately left off that list because both of the two things mentioned have to do with oppression. Now, there's a legitimate use for taxes. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the oppressive use. Death? There was no death in the Garden of Eden. Didn't exist. There were no taxes in the Garden of Eden. So what you have is the only thing the saying goes that's certain is dying and the government taking your money to operate. And that's a biblical thing, right? Not, I'm not, I'm not, don't, don't get me wrong. Don't go home. Tim, Tim Young said don't pay your tax. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if God's not on the list, it's a wrong list. How about this one? You never know about God. You just never know about God. True or false? You know how many people think that's right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You want wisdom? Ask God. You want faith? Hear him. Let me be literal for you. With you. When you read the Word of God, read it aloud. That way you have at least three sensory engages. You're seeing it, you're saying it, and you're... Yes, how faith comes. Years ago, when Annalie and I were preparing to buy a house, uh, Coach and Miss Ruth Ann just out of the goodness of their heart said, we, we want to help you. We want to make a contribution to your purchase. We want to help you buy the house. Now, my father-in-law has a saying that in marriage, there are only two kinds of money, her money and our money. So I know the main donor was Miss Ruth Ann. Thank you, Miss Ruth Ann. <laughs> I got excited. Why? Told Aunt Lee, your dad and your mom. Because I'm making illustrations about God the Father in this, I'm going to talk about dad, but I thank you. He said to me on the telephone, we're giving you some money to help you buy a house. Where's the money? At that point in the telephone conversation, where's the money? It's in his bank account. I don't have it, but it's mine. You know why it's mine? He gave it to me. So there's money in Father's checking account that's mine. Because he said, I heard him say, I am giving you, we are giving, and I believed it, so guess how I felt? And the money's still in his account. 
but it's my money. That part of his money, he made mine. Told Annalise, she's excited. Why? That's daddy. I never will forget when I started dating Annalise. I knew her last name, but I didn't make the connection. Some connections come slower than others. So as I start to think, you know, that'd be a good thing to ask. So I went to her and said, you aren't, are you related in any way to Coach Gene Stallings? And you know what she said to me? Oh, Daddy? I got my answer. That was a game-changing moment. <laughs> Daddy. She knows he's not lying. That's, that's Daddy. She knows he's not lying. Did I earn that money? No. Did I do anything to deserve it? No. It's a gift. It's, but I'm not, I'm not good enough. You know why I got that money? I'm married to the firstborn child. Tell me you heard that. I did nothing to deserve it. It wasn't based on merit. It was based on whom I am married to. He loves her. They love her. And I got in on the deal. I got in on the deal. You'd be amazed how many parties I've been invited to because of Coach and Miss Ruth Ann. And, you know, people try to figure out, well, tell me you're Tim Young, and, okay, that doesn't ring any bells. Uh, so tell me, how are, how are you connected? How did you, what they're saying is, are you really supposed to be here? <laughs> now, they don't say it that way, but you get the picture. And then when I tell them I am Coach and Miss Ruth Ann's son-in-law, oh, oh, I, yeah, oh, you belong here, all right, yeah. Yeah, you're one of us now. Don't know your name, but you're one of us. I didn't do anything to deserve to go to that party. I've, I've, I've been at, I don't know how many of those I've been. But I know somebody. I know somebody. So he tells me, we're giving you some money to help you buy a house. We believe him. And so we begin to make plans. How are we going to use those funds? What are we going to do? We're literally making plans for money that's in his account. But he said it was mine. It's still in his account that, at that time. But he said, I heard him say, I'm giving it to you. Shortly thereafter, I received one of these. It's a check. Made out to us and signed. How do you think he would have felt if I had acted surprised when he gave it to me? Well, you know, Coach, I know you, I know you said that you were going to give us some money. Man, I didn't really think you were going to come through. Right? Isn't that an insult? Yeah. Right? Isn't that the same thing as saying, kind of thought you were a liar? Isn't it? I wasn't surprised when he gave me. I, we'd already made plans. How were we going to spend? I knew it was coming. How did I know? I heard it. That's all that I had that first day. But I trusted the voice of the speaker. I knew it was coming. The day I had this check in my hand, I could have put it on the coffee table. I'm guessing that at some point in the near future, Coach would have come to me and said, Tim, I've noticed that you haven't cashed the check yet. Oh, Coach, I have it. 
Well, I have it. It's on the coffee table. I actually read it almost every day. Matter of fact, I have the check memorized. Have you thought about taking it to the bank? Have you thought about collecting the funds? Because what I had was the equivalent of a promissory note authorizing me to go to the bank and in the name of Gene and Ruth Ann Stallings withdraw funds from account that wasn't mine. How much good is the check doing me on my coffee table? I wasn't surprised when he gave it to me. He didn't give it to me. Well, you know you don't deserve this. Because what you said is right. It's love. It's a gift. You've heard the saying, perhaps you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. For God so loved the world that he, you cannot love and not give. Can't be done. Can't be done. I set it on my coffee table. The funds are waiting for me, but I'm not receiving them. I had a guy not too long ago write me a check. By the time I got it to my bank, he had called his bank and canceled it. If he told me he was going to give me some money, I'm going, yeah, I'll believe that when I... Anybody here from Missouri? Any Missouri folks? Missouri is the... Jesus is standing at the tomb of Lazarus. He tells Martha, roll the stone away. She protests. Lord, you're going to stink up the whole village. He's been dead four days. Jesus answered her in one sentence. Did I not tell you? If you believed, you would see the glory of God. Seeing is not believing. That is a satanic reversal. In the kingdom of God, believing the promise leads to seeing the promise manifest in your life. Had Coach given me a check that was unsigned, what would its value have been? The Father gave us a book of His promises, and He signed it in blood. That was the only thing that could sign those promises. The only thing that could sign that check was the blood of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so often what we have, even when we have the book of promises on our coffee table, and people say, well, I have faith. I believed he existed. Did that mean I have faith in him? No. I believe this man that wrote me a hot check exists too. He didn't stop existing when he wrote me a hot check. I just don't believe him. I believe he exists. I don't believe his word is any good. This man's word is good. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? It cannot be. It cannot be. So when you find a promise from God, 
take it to the bank. Thank him for it. By the way, that's always a good start. Then you will have to be willing to go against your senses at times. It's a passage I want to read in closing before we pray. Numbers 13. And they returned from scouting out the land after 40 days. They came to Moses and Aaron and to all the Israelite congregation in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh and brought them word and showed them the land's fruit. They told Moses, We came to the land to which you sent us. Surely it flows with milk and honey. This is its fruit. But, you hear it? They're about to disagree with God. I've said it to you perhaps before, as a general rule in life, never disagree with an omniscient being. But, the people who dwell there are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, there we saw the sons of Anak. Amalek dwells in the land of the south, the Hittite, the Jebusite, the Amorite dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanite dwells in the sea along by the side of the Jordan. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it. We are well able to conquer it. He believed them. Caleb believed God. But his fellow scouts said, we are not able to go up against the people of Canaan, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought the Israelites an evil report of the land, which they had scouted out, saying, The land through which we went to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people there we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, we come, who come from the giants, and we were in our own sight as, what's the next word? And so we were in their sight. Real quickly, I want to distinguish three things. Then I want to give you a couple things to take home, faith builders to take home, and then we'll pray. Three things I want you to distinguish. Fact, truth, and feeling. Were there giants in the land? God never said there weren't giants in the land. What he said was, I'm giving you the land. They came back and gave a factual report based on what they had seen. The facts that they meditated became feelings and they became afraid. Well, a little fear is good for you. 2 Timothy chapter 1. God does not give us a spirit of fear. A little fear is good for you. Nothing from hell is good for you, any size, great or small. You want to know why fear is so valuable to Satan? Because as Anna Lee explained to me one day when I came home from work, she said, guess what I learned today? Fear is faith in Satan. Think about that for just a moment. Two doctors give you a diagnosis and a treatment protocol. And they're different. The diagnoses are different. The treatment protocols correspondingly different. Which one are you going to follow? The one you most believe in. Fear, let me start that over, faith connects us to the will of the one in whom it is placed. 
So if you have lots of faith in one doctor and not so much faith in the other, faith connects you to the will of that doctor in whom you have placed your faith. Christians who are afraid are under the influence of a spirit God never, never sends. It's not His way. And the fear, because it is faith in Satan, connects us if we give in to fear. How many times do you read in Scripture over and over? Fear not. Fear not. The battle plan that God gives Joshua 40 years later. Do not be terrified. Do not be afraid. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You lose the battle with fear. You have faith in someone who wants to destroy you. I heard someone say this not too long ago. Worry is the belief that the power of Satan is greater than the promise of God. Well, I know God said, but careful. Continuing in Numbers 13. And they bring out an evil account of the land, which this is, the, this is Young's literal translation. And they bring out an evil account of the land. They know God has said, I'm giving you the land. Go take it. I'm giving you the land. They know that. They see something factual. They see something, and it makes them afraid. Feeling. Now their feelings are confirming what they saw. What's true is what God said, I'm giving you the land. Joshua and Caleb got that. But if you read the, the Amplified Version of James 1.22... Be doers of the word, not hearers only. And then there's an interpretive insert. Betraying yourselves into deception by reasoning contrary to the truth. Twelve spies. Ten men reasoned contrary to the truth based on what they saw and how they felt. The truth was that God had said, I am giving this land to the Israelites. He did just exactly that. He just had to wait for the next batch. He couldn't get the people who had fear to have faith in him and, get, and receive, receive from him what he was giving them. Here's the practical application. Faith comes by hearing. You remember in John 8, 31 and 32, you've heard the verse all your life. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples and you will know the truth will set you. The verse right before that says, even as he spoke, many believed in him. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. Jesus said of himself, I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. Hear that verse again, please. I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. Jesus never said one thing that God wasn't saying. You wonder why he was silent when he stood before Pilate? God wasn't speaking. He was silent because God had nothing to say and Pilate was amazed. Pilate said, don't you know I have authority? And then God had something to say. Jesus only spoke what he heard the Father say. He only spoke what he heard the Father say. And because faith comes by hearing the word of God, when people heard him, many put their belief in him. My point, when the word of God is spoken in the home, there is an opportunity for faith. When the word of God is spoken only on Sunday, we lose our kids. It's supposed to be heard Daily bread, it's supposed to be heard daily. Read the scriptures out loud. You're seeing it, you're saying it, you're hearing it. See to it that those around you hear you speak the word of God. You can take part in building their faith as they hear him speak. They will put their faith in him also. Many will. Lastly, 
There are two Holy Spirit prayers I'm asking you to consider praying. And I would ask you to pray these every day for 30 days. This is how I will end. One's in Ephesians 1 and the other is in Ephesians 3. But the Holy Spirit gave Paul two prayers. I want to pray part of those prayers over you as we conclude. Ephesians 1.17, Ephesians 3.16, I'm asking you, pray those prayers for yourself and for your family, your loved ones, every day for 30 days. And watch him. His word never returns to him void. Let's pray. Father, I pray that out of your glorious riches you may strengthen each precious saint here by your Spirit in their inner being so that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. And I pray that each of them, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that love that surpasses knowledge, that they may be filled in the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to Him who by the action of His power that is at work in them, do Your mighty work, Father. Carry out Your will. And I pray, Father, that every, every household and the sound of my voice and any who may hear this at another time, Father, let them lead them to a place of hearing so that they make you smile by virtue of the great faith that comes from great hearing. Lord, we love you. We bless you. And we believe you. We don't just believe in you. We believe what you said. May you be glorified in Christ Jesus and in this church. And in the name of Jesus, I offer this prayer. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Let's stand up. If you've been blessed by being here tonight, let's show Tim how much we appreciate him blessing us with the Word of God tonight. I challenge us as Tim has helped us see tonight big difference in believing in God and believing God. Take that with you this week. Pass that on to somebody. Tim, thank you for reminding us of the things of God tonight. Let's pray uh, again before we're dismissed. Father, bless us as we leave this place and use each one of us for your glory and may your will be done in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.